we're in the middle of a series called Fight Club, and uh, we're in round six today. Now, we've dealt some knockout punches in some of the past sermons, so I think if you would, um, if you want to, if you want to get you know, just some of that in, um, you can always download our app, OSC Connect, uh, on the App Store or on the Play, Google Play Store, and then you'll find the previous week's messages on there. And let me tell you, there's been awesome messages just about understanding the spiritual battle that we're in. Um, for those of you who are here for the first time, we're not the kind of church that looks for a demon behind every bush, but we are a church that acknowledges the presence of spiritual principalities and powers that come against the body of Christ to try and get us to walk away from our purposes in God and our relationship with God. And so we need to know how to fight this battle that we are waging, not according to the flesh, not against flesh and blood, but against the powers that are, that are in, the, in the spiritual realm, um, <clears throat> and how that plays out in our minds often. I don't know about you, but have you ever uh, you know, had those what-if scenarios played out in your brain? It's like, like something happens and you go, well, what if this happens? And what if that doesn't come through? And what if, and what if, and what if? And so often um, those what if scenarios <clears throat> become your perceived reality because you don't know how to engage the battle uh, against arguments uh, that exalts itself against the knowledge of what Jesus has accomplished for us and how he has enabled us to be victorious in this life and walk in his power. And so it's important that we understand the battle of the mind. That was week two and three. Breaking agreements, recognizing lies that the enemy has shared with us and we have come in agreement with and now have an outcome in our lives that we need to kind of reverse. And first starts with me breaking the agreement that I once had with, you know, those, those things. And <clears throat> last, last week and the week before that we spoke about just choosing weapons. We started seeing the weapons of our warfare that God has given us. Weapons that we don't have to just kind of withstand the onslaught of the enemy, onslaught of all these lies that he's thrown at us, but ways that we can pick up offensive weapons and start wielding them to create God's um, perspective in our lives and agreements with his word, his promises, and how to see that become a reality in our lives. So we spoke about prayer and declare, declaring the word of God. And we spoke about how important it is to understand the power of our words and how we should bring our words, our confessions in alignment with God. We spoke about cleaning up our vocabulary. How many of you have been working on Cleaning up your vocab, cleaning up those old sayings that you constantly use uh, to just, you know, make excuses for things or to just, you know, uh, justify certain behaviors, certain outcomes. We say like, no, God is better in plan, in store for us. And it starts with us cleaning up our vocab and aligning our words, our declarations, the things we kind of say without thinking, uh, <clears throat> aligning those things, thinking about what we say and bringing them in uh, alignment with God's, God's word and God's truths. And we spoke about praise and worship last Sunday. We spoke about how powerful praise and worship can be for you if you understand that the Bible calls on us to worship God with, our, with our, all of our heart, all of our mind, and all of our physical strength, all of our strength. And how in singing, if you incorporate um, like the Psalms that we went through, the the whole being, your whole being, it creates a powerful agreement that can break strongholds over your life. And it is a weapon that you can choose to pick up, but you can also choose not to pick up. However, if you choose not to pick it up, 
then what you find yourself doing is always being on the defensive. And so I always encourage people to engage in our time of praise and worship. It's not a time for us just starting the service until we get to the real stuff. It is the real battle. That's where you engage the, the, the enemy in, is during praise and worship. And um, it can bring you powerful breakthrough. It can help you see God in a light that is bigger than your circumstances and your enemy. And because you elevate Jesus higher than your circumstances by default, you are being elevated above what you are going, what you're facing. And so when you least feel like it, it is the best time and most important time to just praise him because he's worthy and because you need it. <laughs> Sometimes I think, I don't need to be doing that right now. I don't feel like it. No, it's when you don't feel like it that you need it most. And when you do it, it gives you the biggest breakthrough. And so I would encourage you to go and listen to those truths because <clears throat> as, you, as you listen to it, the Bible also says that our faith is being stirred when we hear the truth. We also know that our brains naturally reject new information because that's the way we're operated. We're, oper we're, we're designed for efficiency. We're designed to find paths of least resistance, conserve energy. And so sometimes when you think just according to your natural bent, you will rather go and say, no, I don't, I don't want to do that right now. But if you are led by the Spirit of God, you will gain governance over your physical body, over your emotions. And you won't let your emotions and your feel like dominate you. You will lead yourself to a place of honoring and obeying Scripture that leads to breakthroughs unimaginable. And if you can just grasp this and start practicing this, start trying it, start experimenting with it, you'll see a relationship dynamic develop in your life with God that you've never had and you could never have. We spoke about the fact that our traditions nullify the Word of God. The way we've been brought up, the way our church traditions, the way our experiences, the what we've been exposed to have been brought to us as you know, a framework of right and wrong, appropriate and inappropriate. And what we find to be inappropriate, even though Scripture clearly commands it, is what guides us rather than the truths that we read. And so our, our appeal was, don't let your traditions, don't let your, your previous you know, perspectives, your background. Don't let that dominate you. Let scripture lead you because our traditions can nullify the word of God like it did with um, the religious people in the Bible. And Jesus actually warned them against that. And so it's so easy for us to get much of the new things that we've been doing in this series and not start doing it, not start doing it. Like we gave out this, this pamphlet here and this pamphlet is, Basically, it's, it's like, a, it's like a, <clears throat> a boxing match game plan. It's like no matter which way the enemy comes to attack you, whether it's through guilt and shame, whether it's through abuse, whether it's through fear, whether it's through you know, oppression, whether it's through your purity, pride or greed or rejection, no matter how, which, which tactic he tries, you're, you're able to position yourself so that you can start fighting back. But you need to use it. You need to take this, and it can't look all nice and you know, shiny like this after a while. 
It has to have little wrinkles on them because you've been praying over them. You know, you've been taking these scriptures about fear and you've been saying, 1 John 4 verse 4 says, I am of God and I have overcome Satan for greater is he who is in me than he who is in the world. Lord God, thank you that your word here says that you live inside of me and you are greater than my obstacles. You are greater than what I'm facing in my life. And I thank you that because you are greater than that, I can overcome because it says here, I have overcome the world. I will fear no evil because God is with me. That's Psalm 23 verse 4. Thank you, Father, that I don't have to be afraid of what I'm facing right now. Yes, I just had a traumatic experience yesterday. Thank you, God, that you are my shepherd and I will lack no good thing. Thank you, Father, that your word says, as you start praying and declaring the word of God like that, you're fighting back. In whatever space the enemy stole through whatever he threw at you, you're taking that back. You're saying, no way, you're not taking from me. You're not taking from my peace. You're not taking from my joy. You're not taking from my hope in the Lord. But if you don't do it, guess who wins? The enemy wins because he inches you back. He edges you back little by little, little bit. Before you know it, you can't even leave your house for fear of something happening to you. And that's how he does it. He doesn't do it with one big thing. No, he just, he just does something and then tells you, no good in praying that scripture. It's not going to change nothing. You won't feel any different. And you might even go like, I'm going to do it. And you do it and you're like, mm, yeah, I didn't feel any different. Again, you come in agreement with the lie that he showed you. It's not about how we feel, people. It's about who we follow. It's about, not about how we feel. It's about who we follow. And if you follow Jesus, he leads you by? Come on now. Come on now. And so that's what, that's what this, this whole series was about. It's about getting us to just get off our lazy crazies and, you know, start doing something. Start fighting back. Start fighting back. Today, I'm going to um, give you another little time plan. We're going to get to that one soon. And this is going to be <clears throat> something powerful that I, I just trust that you will receive. Come on. I'm so, I'm so desiring you to just receive the things that we've been sharing in this, in this series because it's changing people's lives, okay? People who have started applying these things have gotten breakthrough. You can too. God's not a respecter of people. Like he doesn't like me more than he likes you. Like he doesn't answer my prayers more than he answers yours. He just doesn't. He's not a respecter of people. He only responds to faith. And faith is trust. Trust that this works. That's all it is. It's just responding to the word. That's all it is. And so it doesn't matter who you are, where you come from, what you've done. If you make a turnabout right now and say, I'm going to trust this word. And I'm going to believe it. And I'm going to do it. It'll work for you. It'll work for you. Okay. So let's get back to my notes. Um, <clears throat> so that's what we're going to talk about today. We're going to, we're going to talk about um, the next weapon that is available to us to pick up. And this weapon is called my testimony and sharing the gospel. All right, so relax, sit down. Don't worry, you're going to make it. We're going to get to the end of it. Revelation 12 verse 11 says this. They won the victory over the enemy because of the blood of the lamb and the word of their testimony. Everybody says my testimony. They didn't love their life so much that they refused to give it up. In other words, they were willing to sacrifice comfort. They were willing to sacrifice their plans. They were willing to sacrifice their hopes, dreams, and desires to follow Jesus. 
We'll talk about that last part in the, in the next series, in the next sermon. But today I want to speak about this part here, my testimony. They overcame by the blood of the Lamb and the word of their testimony. Okay? So some of you might go like, I don't have a testimony. Look, everybody has a testimony because your testimony is simply God's story of Christ in and through you. That's all it is. It's your story. It's what happened to you. There's no right or wrong testimony. You know, unless you assume that God did something that the Bible says he doesn't do. But <clears throat> your account of how Christ came in your life and then what it did as a result, that's, that's unique to you and it's valid. It's your story. And um, it doesn't have to be the same as the guy next to you's story. Like some people have come to me and said, like, yeah, but I don't have a powerful testimony. It's like, like, what is a powerful testimony? You don't know those people who are like, you know, seven drugs and every other weekend, you know, every other marriage and what, 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 all those people. And then all of a sudden Jesus met them and now their lives are. No, look, look, that is a powerful testimony. But it, why is it powerful? It's actually powerful because you heard it. Somebody cared to share it. That's why it's a powerful testimony. Testimonies are powerful not because of what happened, but because they were shared and because of the effect that it has on our lives when we share it. Listen to, listen to this. Sharing your testimony helps people make a connection to Jesus. Now listen, if you weren't in drugs and seven marriages before you came to Jesus, that story is actually not going to connect you to Jesus if you try to live your life the right way your whole life. It's impressive, but it's not relevant to you. Your testimony helps some people who have similar backgrounds, similar journeys than you to make the connection to Jesus. And that's why your testimony is powerful when they hear it. And the second thing it does, <clears throat> when you combine God's story with your testimony, it helps people accept the truth accept the offer of salvation for themselves. And that's what we're going to be teaching on today. Okay? Either story is good. You're just sharing how you met Jesus and the effect that it had on your life, or you actually explaining to somebody the gospel. Either one is great. That's how we plant the seeds for salvation in other people's lives. But if you can combine them, it becomes a powerful, powerful moment in a person's life that you're sharing with. Romans 1.16 says this, I am not ashamed of the good news. I am not ashamed of the good news. It is God's power to save everyone who believes. First the Jews and then the Greeks. What he's saying here is that me sharing, that's me fighting. That's me fighting not only for me, that's me fighting for other people on behalf of other people. I am wielding the power of God in order that other people might respond to the same thing that I had the privilege of responding to. 1 Peter 3.15, Paul is speaking to every Christian. He says, in your heart, revere Christ as Lord and always be prepared to give an answer to the hope that when was, if you're asked to give an answer for the reason of the hope that you have, Always be ready to give an answer to people. Always be ready to tell your story to people of how Jesus saved your life. But do this with gentleness and respect. 
<clears throat> so <clears throat> last week we said that simply saying I am putting on the armor of God while we're praying doesn't make me ready for the battle. Okay, remember how we spoke about people that pray the blood of Jesus and think that that prayer has some sort of magic power, right? No, it's not the blood. It's not the fact that I'm praying, Lord, I'm putting on the helmet of salvation. I don't know if you've done this, but you know, when we were little, uh, we were taught about the armor of God and it resulted in us kind of misunderstanding how to put on the armor of God. So I, for the longest time, would stand up every morning thinking, if I didn't do this, I wouldn't be ready for the day and I would be succumbed to temptation and not knowing that, you know, It didn't work anyways, but I kept believing that it should work because the Bible says, you know, the armor of God is something that we need to put on. <clears throat> so I would, every morning I would like, Lord, I'm putting on the helmet of salvation. Lord, I'm putting on the, uh, the breastplate of righteousness. Okay, Lord, I'm putting on the belt of truth and the shield of faith. I'm picking off my shield of faith right now. and uh, The shoes of the willingness to share the gospel. And Lord, I'm taking up your sword, the spirit of truth. And all right, now I'm, I'm going. I'm going out into this day. And around the next corner, I would start stressing my behind off about a test that's coming. I would worry about where my next meal is going to come from. I would be like, you know, <clears throat> none of that ever had an effect on me. Why? Because I didn't understand that, um, you know, that there was a disconnect because the symbols are not the power. It's not the fact that I believe that there is a helmet of salvation. No, it's, it's actually the truth behind these symbols that carry the power. And so if you are to dress yourself with the, the armor of God, and if you really want to put on the helmet of salvation, it looks more than what I modeled earlier. It looks more like, like, like quoting a scripture, sin shall no longer have dominion over me because I'm not under the law, I am under grace. And grace has enabled me to say no. <clears throat> That's what it looks like to put on the helmet of salvation. There's a truth that helps me stand in the freedom that I've received in Jesus. Knowing that, you know, I, I don't have to agree with a lie that comes to me that does not reflect God's will and God's word over my life. I can, I can break my agreement with that and I can agree with scripture. That's what it means to put on the helmet of salvation. It keeps that battle in my mind in check. And it keeps the enemy's words at bay and it allows the words of Jesus to penetrate my mind so that I can fight that battle. The breastplate of righteousness, knowing a scripture that says there is no condemnation to those who are in Christ and that the spirit of God testifies with my spirit that I am a child of God. That's what it means to put on the breastplate of righteousness is understanding where does my righteousness come from? It does not come from my effort and good works. No, it comes from the fact that I've been set free by the grace of God and there is no condemnation, that I belong to him, I'm his child. And so I can go on. The shield of faith. Love casts out all fear. There is no fear in love. I have been made perfect in love and therefore I do not fear. I do not have a worry. If God looks after the sparrows, why won't he look after me? That's what it means to pick up my shield of faith. It's when things come, bad news comes that I know. I can say, no, he draws near to the afflicted. He will not leave me or forsake me. He's my ever-present help in time of need. This is a time of need so I can have confidence that he is going to come through for me. Knowing the scriptures like that is how I pick up my shield of faith so I can use it in a moment that I dearly need it. The same with the belt of truth. Cleaning up my vocabulary and speaking God's word over my life. And then the sword of the Spirit, 
That's what you're actually using the whole time. You're using the Bible. You're using scripture to reorganize your mind, to reorganize your heart so that you're in line with God's way of living life. That life is overcoming and powerful. And I wish for each and every one of you to start operating in your relationship with God like that because it'll sort out 90% of the little niggling issues that you're going through. It will. And you know what happens when you start living a life like that? You start having influence. You start, you start looking like somebody that other people will want to know, well, what do they have that I don't have, right? And so all of this about testifying and about sharing my faith and all that, it becomes natural because I am living and experiencing the victory that Jesus wants me to experience, that Jesus wants you to experience, that he's made available to you to experience, right? Come on. And so I skipped the fifth one, which is the feet shod with the willingness to share the gospel, how do I do that? Well, the fact is, before I leave my house in a day, I need to have the desire to bring encouragement to people in their walk with God, in their journey with God. Everybody's on a journey with God, whether they refuse to believe that He exists or whether they have been serving Him faithfully for a very long time. Everybody's on a journey with God. We call them pre-believers, <laughs> okay? And they're also on a journey with God. And you can encourage somebody about God's reality through your life, through your testimony. But if we just, you know, get up in the morning and say, yes, Lord, um, I'm putting on the armor of God. I'm ready for the day. But you never actually have the desire and the intention to share and encourage somebody out there with what you're living, what you're experiencing in your relationship with God. You've not really put those shoes on because they come with a decision. Lord, use me today. Use me today to help other people become more aware of you, to draw closer to you. That's what it is. And so I pray that that desire lives on the inside of every single person. I'm going to share a little bit at the end of the service why it is so important for us, for this church, to have that mindset about us. I want to watch a video with you real quick, a short four-minute clip um, from this TV series about the life of Christ called The Chosen. And um, it's just a powerful rendition of uh, our testimony and what, what, what we want to talk about today. So go ahead and cue that clip for us. It's you. It's real. Lilith. No, no, please, don't be frightened. My name is Nicodemus. I, I ministered to you, Lilith. I don't answer to that name. I am Mary. I was born Mary. But you were called Lilith, yes? Please, I must go. No, no, please, Mary. I, I am desperate for your help, Mary. I'm a, I'm a Pharisee. I'm visiting from Jerusalem. I'm a man of God. And I believe you have experienced a miracle, Mary. Are you really a Pharisee? Yes. yes. I'm sorry, I wasn't... I'm not here to enforce Jewish law. So how do you know who I am? You really don't remember me at all. I burned incense. I don't remember. It's all a blur. I can't go back into that. No, no, I don't want you to. I can't even imagine. But you, you are healed. That, that much is clear. I just want to understand how it happened. 
that makes two of us. <laughs> How long after my visit did you feel the change? It wasn't anything you did. It was someone else. Someone else? He called me Mary. He said, I am his. I am redeemed. And it was so? Who did this? I don't know his name. And even if I did, I could not tell you. Why not? His time for men to know has not yet come. It's time for men? <laughs> he performs miracles and seeks no credit? What does he look like? Is he a member of Sanhedrin? Would you at least know him if you saw him again? <laughs> I don't know why I am sharing this with you. I, I don't understand it myself. But here is what I can tell you. I was one way. And now I am completely different. And the thing that happened in between was him. So yes, I will know him for the rest of my life. <laughs> wow. Did you know that the majority of teenagers that leave their homes, in fact, as many as up to 70% of students in college decide to leave their faith when they leave their homes. Do you know, right, right now we're about at 36, not our church, um, but the, the, the church in America is, is about only about 36% of church involvement compared to right before COVID. Telling God's story has never been more urgent and necessary than now. And I want to say this to parents with, with young kids. Thinking that you must allow your child to make up their mind when they are old about whether they're going to serve Jesus is both unbiblical and foolish. They have to hear God's story about you and how you were called, how he called your name, and how he told you that you are his. And they have to hear that story over and over and over and over and over and over again until they can tell you their, they can tell you your story before you even start. If you just, if you just aim at starting <laughs> to tell that story until that story becomes their story. Until they can hear him calling them too. You know, this is such a powerful moment. It's one of the most powerful moments that I've experienced. There are many such in this series. But I realized that there was a time when, when Jesus called my name. And he told me that I am redeemed. 
And that story I've gladly told people, whether they wanted to receive it or not, simply because I was one way. <laughs> and then I was different. And the thing that happened in between was him. Each and every one of us has a story like that. Telling your story is how you fight your spiritual battle. It's how you fight. It's how you move forward in your life. For two reasons. The one, it makes you remember. Telling your story makes you remember. Every time I tell my story, I remember the moment like it is today when I was called by my name. Psalm 119 verse 55 says this, At night I remember your name, O Lord, and I follow your teachings. Remembering God leads to following God. Hebrews 2.1, Therefore we must pay close attention to what we have heard, lest we drift away from it. Forgetting makes me move away from God. Deuteronomy 4 verse 9 says, However, be careful and watch yourselves closely so that you don't forget the things which you have seen with your own eyes. Don't let them fade from your memory as long as you live. Teach them to your children and to your grandchildren. Teach them to your children and to your grandchildren. Telling my story helps me to remember. Remembering helps me to stay following. Each time Esther and I tell the story of how we came to Crowley, we're telling God's story of how Jesus led us here. And every time we tell that story, we have to tell the miracles that God made happen for us to be here. We have to tell of how in a market that was impossible, we sold our house within a, a week. In, in a circumstance that was so unlikely, we sold a business uh, within two weeks. Uh, God made heaven and earth line up. Literally, it felt to us by the things, the many things that we were able to do in that time. Provision that came our way that we could not have imagined that would happen. But what we hoped would happen without it. Without it, it would not have been possible for us to be here. Every time we tell that story, we remember how powerful God's hand of providence can move. And when I'm faced with things that we need to take on next, when I'm faced with the challenge that, that, that we're going to be led into to solve in this community, when I'm praying with people against seemingly impossible things, if I tell the testimony of how we got here, I tell of the miracles of God and it helps me to remember to trust a God that can make dead things come alive and the impossible things become possible. You want to tell your testimony to people because it helps you remember how God saved your life and how he can save you out of various many things. The second thing that happens is when we share our testimony, it helps other people make a connection to God. In Ephesians 1.15, it says, I too have heard about your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all God's people. For this reason, I never stop thanking you and I always remember you in my prayers. It helps other people glorify God. Further on in this whole story, you see how Nicodemus, and, and I mean, some of this is, is artistic, you know, license. That 
particular instance isn't recorded in scripture that it happened. Okay, so the art is, is, is showing typically how, you know, life in those times occurred and how things happened and how the testimony of a young lady who was demon possessed and was saved by Jesus would influence people around her. What we do know is that the testimony of Jesus reached the man called Nicodemus as recorded in scripture and Nicodemus started pursuing Jesus. Nicodemus went to Jesus to see whether Jesus is what he's talking about, to try and understand where he was coming from. He visited him in the night, asked him questions, and Jesus was able to share the gospel with him. It helped, the testimony of Jesus helped Nicodemus make a connection to Jesus. In Romans 10 verse 14 to 15 and 17, it says this, How then can they call on the one whom they have not believed in? And how can they believe in the one whom they have not heard of? Again, some people will hear of Jesus in the context of your story, your unique experience, and all of a sudden it will be to them like they're hearing for the first time about Jesus. Because before it couldn't make sense to them because they, had, they, were, they struggled to make that connection because there's so many voices out there that are shouting that all this is just, you know, um, it's just nonsense. All of this is just religion. It's dead. You know, there's nothing to it. You, you must reject it. It's archaic. It's old. But somebody comes and tells them of a living experience that testifies and echoes scripture. And all of a sudden they hear it because you help them make a connection to Jesus. Because they could identify with who you are and where you come from. And then it says this in verse 15 in Romans 10. How can anyone preach unless they are saints? And that's why Jesus sent us out. How beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. And verse 17 says, consequently, faith comes by hearing the message. Let me tell you, faith is going to, faith comes by hearing it. As people hear your story about how you connected to Jesus, how you made changes, how you grew, how things changed for you, certain decisions you made, how you came to this church, why you came to this church. As people hear that story, it helps them make the connection. Faith comes to them and helps them to take steps toward personal growth as well. Some of you are sitting here and thinking, oh, but I'm not an evangelist. You know, that's the preacher's job. You could be right, but you're also wrong. You might not be an evangelist. And guess what? I aren't either. I am not an evangelist. But here's the thing where you're wrong in. God did not just call evangelists to share his story. That is a ministry that God gave to every single believer. So I want to submit to you three reasons why I think it's important that you share your story. The first one is if you want to overcome, start sharing with people your story. People can't argue with your story. You can't tell, people can't say, hey, what you experienced was fake. You know, especially in these day and age, you know, that's the wrongest thing to say <laughs> to somebody that what you're experiencing is wrong. It's not true, Right? So your testimony is such a powerful way to show people the reality of Jesus in your life. Because they have to go, wow, I didn't know you can experience God like that. I didn't know that you can have that kind of connection with God. First, it's because Revelation 12 says we can overcome by sharing our testimony. Second, we've been given the ministry of reconciliation. It belongs to the members of the church, not to the clergy. 
The ministry of reconciliation has been given as an every believer function. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says this, If anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old has passed away, the new has come. And this is from God who reconciled us to uh, himself in Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. He's speaking about every single person who comes to Jesus being renewed and being remade and then being reconciled with God and being given a ministry. If you want to know what is your ministry, your ministry is to tell your story to people and encourage people to connect with God. That is the first expression of, every, of ministry for every single Christian out there. God has entrusted his message to you. Isn't that amazing? The third reason is that it's actually not the preacher's job to do all the sharing and to reach all the people. And the Bible clearly says it in Ephesians 4.11. He talks about the gifts and the ministry gifts that he gave to the church. He gave apostles, prophets, evangelists, shepherds, which is what I am, and teachers, somewhat what I am as well. Shepherds and teachers. And listen to what it says. To equip the saints for the work of ministry. To equip the saints for the work of ministry. My job is not to do all the ministry. My job is to equip y'all. All right? Now, let me tell you, if the saints are just the dead believers, <clears throat> how do I equip them? You are the saints of God if you are in Christ. The believers are the saints of God. And my job is to Equip the saints. Equip you for the work of ministry. And that ministry is a ministry, first and foremost, of reconciliation. And secondly, to start helping you figure out what is your design and how has God uniquely gifted you to be a blessing to the body and to serve people around you so that you can have a greater connection with people. Again, for what reason? To share your journey. To share your story with people. So I want to equip you today. First, I want, to, I want to share with you my testimony. And then I'm going to help you write your own testimony. While I'm sharing my testimony, Tiger, will you guys go ahead and divvy out that little pamphlet that I gave you? See, before I met Jesus, I grew up in a Christian home. My father, however, was a very, very hard man. Very hard man. Um, and <clears throat> you know what? He just patterned what was generationally handed over to him. His dad was a cold, hard man. Very little compassion shared. My dad actually was a lot better than his father was to him. But he was still very aggressive and very verbally abusive. And he was a very, a very hard working task master. And I experienced life in my own house basically as a you know a gopher you need to go do that go do that go do that and so my natural understanding of God the Father was that of a taskmaster that needs to be obeyed you know that I'm a slave to and I have no choice I have to I have to just do it and I and you know what I became real serious about doing that I tried to live right as best as I could um but I would never feel like I was doing enough because I could actually never get my dad to just be satisfied with what I did. 
I always had to do better. I always had to do it differently. Now, why did you do it this way? You should have thought about this. You didn't think about this. Now go do it again. And I could just never satisfy, I could just never please him. And if I messed up, or if I didn't do anything, man, then there was literally hell to play. He would come down on me. And, and so I would just always be looking, you know, if I, if I knew that I was sinning for the wrath of God to be hitting me from every end. I was just like, you know, so afraid that and, and when something would go wrong or like, that's God, God's punishing me. You know, he's, 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 he's getting, that's, that's, that's him, you know, letting me know that I messed up. <clears throat> and you know what? I became very serious about living right. But I hated the fact that I couldn't mess around with alcohol and tobacco and girls like my friends did. I hated that. I wanted to do that rather than live right. But I, I, I was so afraid. I, so, I was so like, you know, serious about wanting, trying to live right that it was this conflicting thing in my heart. I was a Christian, but I hated it. <laughs> but I was too committed to it to give up on it. And so life was just miserable. <laughs> I didn't enjoy Christianity and I couldn't enjoy being a heathen either. And so I was just constantly unfulfilled. And then one day my mom sent me to a secret Christian youth camp. I didn't know it was a Christian camp. She told me they're going to prepare you for high school. Literally. Showed up and it was a full-blown gospel preaching Christian student union youth camp. But you know what they did? They presented to me a God that I didn't know. They presented the God of the Bible, a father who loved me perfectly, regardless of my brokenness. And he made up for my insufficiencies through his son, Jesus. This father didn't need my performance to be happy about me. But he needed my trust. So I gave it to him. I gave him my trust. I gave him my whole life. And my life began to change. I started realizing that I didn't want to mess around with stuff anymore. And I was, and I was always like, like nah. I don't feel like doing that. Nah, I don't feel like doing that. And it took me some while to realize that, oh, I no longer do bad things, not because I, I'm not allowed to do them, but I, I don't want to do them anymore. I found something so satisfying and complete that I didn't need any other thing to make me feel happy. And that's the story of my life. That's how God found me. And that's how it changed me. And progressively through my life, He has changed out a desire for Him with every desire I had for sin, every desire I had for temptation. And sure, I still make mistakes, but my goodness, I've been set free from so many things, so many addictive patterns. And it's all because my desire for Him has just grown. Led me to a scripture verse in Philippians 3 verse 10 that just became my life motto. In the Amplified Version, it says this, For my determined purpose is that I may know Him, and that I may progressively become more deeply and intimately acquainted with Him. Perceiving and recognizing and understanding the wonders of His person more strongly and more clearly, that I may in that same way come to know the power outflowing from His resurrection that raises me up in new life. That's become my life motto. I just want to know Him more and experience more of Him. That's my testimony. That's how I became a Christian. I wasn't a bad person. But man, I was lost. And Jesus came to save me. And He wants to do the same with you. And He wants to do the same with people around you. So right now, 
grab a pen. We actually have a bunch of pens. If you don't have a pen, put up your hand right now because we're going to do a, a bit of writing. For the next couple of minutes, five minutes, I am going to, um, I'm going to let you write your story on that little card that I gave you. Just like I did it right now. Before I met Jesus, I describe kind of who you were before you met Jesus. And then write down how I met Jesus. And then describe since I've met Jesus, the changes that's hap- that happened in your life after that. Let's take the next five minutes and just write that down. up here. Thanks, guys. you're done I want you to turn to somebody next to you and just share that story with them if they're still writing just give them a little bit to complete theirs but I want you to just take a moment and just share that with the person next to you that might be the first time you tell your story to somebody but it's okay it doesn't have to be perfect it just has to be shared person next to you.
an indication. Who's still writing on their testimony? Hands up, who's still writing? All right, keep going. I'll give you another minute. And then I want you to share what you have up till that point and then go and complete it at home. The rest. I got one more little thing that I want to show you about sharing our testimony and the story of God. turn to a person next to you yet take time now and just share with that person what you got up till now just like having a conversation How many of you was that the first time you've shared that story with somebody? Yeah? Feels good, doesn't it? To kind of have a way to just express that to, to somebody. And I want to I encourage you to, to take this story and to hone it in, to develop it, to perfect it as much as you can. And use that as a way to encourage other people in their walk with God and how they can connect with Him.